Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Good morning, everybody. How are you, TLCC? What a delight it is for me to be here. My name is Pastor Dan. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm from the South, in case you couldn't tell. South Bronx. (laughs) Uh, I'm here at the request of your pastor and wife and the TLCC board to uh, serve in the absence of your pastor and wife as they are away on a much needed and deserved sabbatical. And I want you to know, I hope you're joining me. I am actually praying for them every day during this time they're away. And for you as well as a church that the Lord will uh, use this time to bring great refreshing new energy, energy to this church and to your leadership a little about me after serving uh, at Heartland Church in Dallas for 37 years. Uh, I stepped down about a little over two years ago now as the lead pastor, still on staff there, but what that's allowed me to do as now the legacy pastor there is to uh, do things like this where I can miss four Sundays in a row at our church at home. And I hope you're glad to have me here because I'm glad to be here with you. I also travel with uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and I am excited to tell you, you're the first church where we've had our brand new 30th anniversary project. We have, I have it here today, uh, and they're out in the lounge. If you still have a uh, CD player, does anybody still have a CD player? Uh, you can purchase one of these out there. And by the way, something really exciting for us is we recorded Revelation song in Spanish. It's worth it just to hear three Southern boys try to sing Espanol. <laughs> so uh, if you want one of those, go by. I think you already know this, but you have the greatest pastor in uh, Pastor Terry Smith and Sharon and... I am really glad he's not here today because every time I come, if he's here, I'm intimidated. I'm telling you, he is just one of the greatest orators and communicators, and I am so proud that uh, we have been friends now for over 35 years, and I have served him and this church as one of your presbytery board members uh, from those outside the church, and it's been an honor for me to be a part, and before we go... uh, Any further today, let me just tell you how proud I am of you as a church and the accomplishments that you have uh, made along the way. I've been in every building that you've you've been in, and you have truly done a remarkable job. We're continuing a series today called Jesus Illustrated, and as part of this, we're looking at some of the titles or the attributes and characteristics of Jesus while he was here on earth. In the minds of a lot of people, Jesus was nothing more than a great moral teacher, just another man with proposed ideals to make the world a better place, a rebellious leader in the face of uh, the Roman occupation. Uh, But of course, I believe that the scripture defines him as way more than that, much, much more. And as we're studying these different things that we're going to talk about, I'm doing my best to show you that who he was on this earth is actually a picture of what he is in our lives today. And I believe that the scripture defines him to be, and is still today, a living, breathing savior who still involves himself in the lives of people around the world. 
I mentioned last week how Scripture defines him in a lot of different ways. Last week, we actually talked about Jesus as the human, and uh, Jesus was human. He was uh, one that empathized with us, but Jesus was a teacher. He was a servant. He declared himself to be the light of the world. He was a healer. He declared himself to be the way, the truth, and the life, and further stated that no man could come to the Father except through him. And so in talking last week about Jesus as a human, we illustrated through Scripture that because of that, because of the fact that he endured suffering and he endured life as a human, it allows him to sympathize and to empathize with us as we walk this road of life. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus as the Christ. Jesus was not only human, but he was divine, a divine being. And to set this up, I want to read a few verses in your hearing today, starting with Acts chapter 17. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. He was talking to Jewish people here, and so he, he could have said Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah, but I will explain in a, in a moment why he deviated, I think, from that narrative. Acts chapter 18, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews again that Jesus is the Christ. Acts 18, 28, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is, everybody said together, the Christ. So here's what I want to ask you about today. Why is it so important that the early disciples identified him over and over in scripture in this manner? Why would it be important to us that Jesus is the Christ? If that's who Jesus was, then why is it important today for us and for our lives to know him as such. The word Christ comes from a Greek word Christos. It's only in the New Testament because only the New Testament was written in Greek and it's in the New Testament 571 times. Christ, New Testament from the word Christo, the Greek word. In the Old Testament, the word is Messiah. It's a different word. Meshua or Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And the question I ask today is why? Why didn't the New Testament writers just use the word Messiah when they translated it into the New Testament? The reason Meshua is in the, New, the Old Testament 39 times and out of those 37 times it's translated as the anointed and only two times as Messiah. The very word Messiah means anointed one. So for the New Testament writers, the closest thing they had to that phrase, anointed one, was Christos. Translated from the Hebrew into the Greek, the meaning was clear. Jesus is the anointed one. Say that with me today. Jesus is... That's what Paul was saying when he was talking to the Jews. He is the anointed one. And this is very important, and let me show, and by using Scripture today, why wow, that's important. In the Old Testament, God commanded 
the Israelites to anoint three different types of people. The three groups they were commanded to anoint were prophets, priests, and kings. Exodus 30 says, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priest. He's talking to Moses in this verse. In the next verse, I'll quote, God is talking to Elijah. And the important thing to note is that he, he wants uh, these particular groups to be anointed and set apart. That word anointed just means exactly that, set apart for a purpose. And there was a ritual, and usually they would pour oil over the heads of the people that were anointed. It's interesting that Moses and Elijah are the ones represented because both of them show up in the New Testament at the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. Jesus referred to the scriptures as the law and the prophets, and he says they are to be anointed. Now watch this, 1 Kings 19. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So you note here, we're having uh, kings anointed and prophets anointed. What does it mean that Jesus is, and it comes along in the New Testament and says that he is Christos or the anointed one? What it means is this, is that he is all three. Jesus has taken the place and the role of all three, the prophet, the priest, and the king. Now, I think the best way to illustrate this may be to go back a few years ago when Steve Jobs made a very important announcement regarding a new product that Apple was releasing. And I want you just to watch a little bit of that clip today. And regardless of what you think of the man or the creation of the iPhone, it was truly a moment that changed the world. Take a look at this right here. Today, we're introducing three revolutionary products of this class. The first one is a widescreen iPod with touch controls. The second is a revolutionary mobile phone. And the third is a breakthrough internet communications device. So, three things. A widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough internet communications device. An iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. An iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. And it's way better than the iPhone. A prophet, a priest, and a king. 
Can I reiterate to you today? A prophet, a priest, and a king. And his name is Jesus, the anointed one. And he's here today for you and your life. I think that's a pretty cool illustration. And I am happy to announce to you today, I want to show you how the Old Testament predicts and then the New Testament speaks of it as well and how Jesus fulfills all three roles. First, as a prophet, Deuteronomy 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. You may be asking the question, how do we know that it's Jesus is being talked about here? Well, it's, uh, it's quoted again by uh, Peter in the book of Acts when he's talking to the Jewish people. Here's what he says to them. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness that we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. For Moses said, and he quotes, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you must listen to everything he tells you. A prophet that has come to you as the anointed one. So Peter says, guys, we're disciples of Jesus. He died, he rose, he had to suffer to become the prophet he is in our life. Now let's look at scripture that prophecy says about Jesus as a priest and a king. Messianic prophecy, Zechariah chapter six. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall bear the glory and he shall sit and rule on his throne. Kind of sounds like a king to me, y'all. So then he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. A prophet, a priest, and a king. This is what's wonderful about Jesus, the anointed one. It's foreshadowed. He fills all the roles of those that were anointed in the Old Testament. And this foreshadowing is always surrounding these three types. We've got a prophet, we've got a priest, and we have a king. Those are the ones that were anointed, and, and the New Testament tells us that this anointed one that comes fill all, he fills all of those roles. Those people in the Old Testament probably had no idea why they were anointing people sometimes, but God knew. God knew that one day he was going to send the prophet, he was going to send the priest, he was going to ascend the, send the king, and his name would be Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Okay, that's really cool, Pastor Dan. What does that mean for me? Well, I got some good news for you today. It means a lot. I'm going to ask three questions with the rest of my time. And it will be three things that you need to know. And then I'm going to take a, a breakdown of the Messiah and make it extremely practical for you. The first question is this. What does it mean that Jesus is my prophet? What does it mean 
that Jesus is my prophet. Prophecy involves hearing. So this is what the first question I would answer with is this. I am able to hear God. I can hear God for myself. If you think about this for a moment with your family, with your children, with your job, with your finances, that's good news. You can hear from God yourself. You can hear from God. Now, here's what it doesn't mean, that suddenly you're going to be able through these vibes to pick out the correct lotto numbers out of thin air, that you're going to receive stock tips and insider trading tips. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You don't, but here's what I am talking about. You don't have to have someone else as a go-between between you and God for you to hear his voice speak into your life. You have an inside connection to hear from him. Now, before I move away from this, let me, let me tell you that I believe in godly counsel and confirmations from others, and I believe that other people speak into your life, and nothing wrong with that. In fact, in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. But here's a truth you need to be aware of today. You can hear God in this new covenant we live in for yourself because Jesus has become your prophet, your anointed one. You can hear him. Jeremiah prophesies about it in Jeremiah 31. No more, more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Don't miss this. From the very least to the greatest, you can know the Lord and have him forgive your sin. And not only that, you can discern his voice. You can hear and in, in the role that he plays as a prophet in your life, you can be assured that he will speak to you. So if you think you're the worst, or you think you're the least, you think you're the lowest, I don't think that he sees you that way. He sees you as somebody that he can and will communicate with. So because of that New Testament covenant, we don't have to go through somebody else to get to him. We have direct access to him and to hearing his voice in our lives. Let me illustrate this personally today. My freshman year in college, I was attending a college in Jackson, Mississippi, and I was working at a, at a, a, a hotel, the graveyard shift from about 11 at night to 7 or 8 in the morning, and uh, it was quite a job. It was not in a great part of town, and there was always a lot of excitement associated with that job. One night, I looked at the clock as there was a knock on the window, and it was 2.08 a.m., I walked over to the window, and uh, it was a really fancy place. We had a window that you raised, and you prop, propped a board under it to hold the window up. And there was a young man standing there, and he asked for some change, and he laid some uh, nickels and various change on the counter, and I thought, well, he's probably wanting some change for the vending machine, so I turned to get to the cash register and as I did I heard a rattling on the counter and I whirled back around and there was a sawed off shotgun just a few inches from my belly and uh, immediately I kind of 
had a little fear come upon my, my heart. I thought to myself, this is how it's going to end. Because if he doesn't pull the trigger on purpose, he's shaking so badly that he's going to pull it accidentally. So I was trying to be careful to do everything that he asked me to do. And he said, I want you to turn around and I want you to go to the cash register and I want you to get all the cash out and hand it to me. Well, as long as I was watching him, there was some kind of assurance that maybe I could do something. But when I had to turn my back, all of a sudden I was shaky all over. I got the cash and I set it all out there for him. And he told me again, now turn around. And again, I felt bullets going through my body, but I heard him run off and we called the police. And that morning when I got off at about 7 a.m. in the morning, I called my dad. I said, dad, you're not going to believe what happened to me last night. He said, well, before you tell yours, let me tell you what happened to mom and I last night. I said, okay. He said at about 2.07 a.m. in the morning, I woke up from a deep sleep and the Lord said, one of your kids is in trouble. It wasn't an audible voice. It was an impression. One of your kids is in trouble. You need to pray. I turned to my wife. I said, we got to pray. One of our kids is in trouble. We got down beside the bed. We prayed earnestly and intercession prayer for about eight or nine minutes. Then I felt the feeling pass. I said, everything's okay. Let's get back in bed. Now, what happened to you? Dad, I thought for once I was going to be able to top you with a story, but I don't think that's going to happen today. Listen, I want to tell you that the voice of the Lord will speak to you if you're tuned in and listening to him. He will communicate with you because the anointed one has come as a prophet in your life. You got to start tuning in. The more you tune in, the clearer it will become. And the more you tune in and start hearing and realizing it's his voice, the more and more you will begin to recognize that he is speaking to you. You say, Pastor Dan, I don't hear anything. How does God speak? Well, there's many ways that he speaks to us. It would take another entire message to talk about it. But let me list a few. God speaks to us through little children. Have you ever had your kids say something, your child say something to you, and you say to yourself, wow, that, that was the voice of God speaking through my child to me. A little child shall lead them, the scripture says. He speaks to us through nature, through the stars in the heavens, through a beautiful sunset or a waterfall, through his word, through friends, through a pastor, through a message that you hear preached in church. I hope today that some of you leave here and say, we heard the Lord speak to us through that Southern boy from Texas. You know what? God used him today to talk to me. I, I've, uh, I've had many times that people walked up and said to me after delivering a message, that message was exactly what I needed to hear. And they would talk about a situation in their life. And then somebody else would come up and say, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Two different situations completely, but it's the miracle of the spoken word of God. When it goes out, it does not return void, but it is cast out on the waters. And as you sit here today, it has the power to touch and change your life. The bread of life is broken and it can say one thing to one person and another thing to another person. But the bottom line is this, God speaks to us as humans because he is our prophet. 
And you need to lean in and learn to hear his voice. Oh, I'm preaching much better than you're responding today. <laughs> My wife called me not long ago. She said, hey. And I said, who's this? You believe I did that? No. I know that voice. In fact, I know different variations of the word, hey. I can tell when it's, hey. That's not a good hey. And I know the one that goes, hey. I go, hey. Hey, baby. I know, I know that voice. You know how I know that voice? It's the best voice in the world to me outside of Jesus. I know that voice because I'm with her a lot. It doesn't take me some machine to break down the voice patterns for me to know that it's her and what kind of mood she's in when she says, hey, I know her voice. Sometimes the reason we don't recognize that God is speaking is just a simple, we don't listen for him. We talk too much. We don't ever get quiet enough to hear his voice. We get in the car and we're playing something, a podcast or music. We, get, we, we, we go out in the world and, and always we have to have noise going on in our life. Sometimes you have to stop and take time to listen, to be able to hear his voice, to quiet yourself so that you'll recognize and begin to understand that God as your prophet wants to speak to you. I'm getting so excited about this. And I hope you feel the same excitement to know that God is our prophet. Sometimes we as humans get so hungry for, quote, a prophet to come through our church, somebody that can give us a word from God. And I, I believe in that. I definitely believe in that. But listen, I want you as a believer to know you have a prophet, the greatest one of all times, who will, if you will tune in, will speak to you, and you must learn to hear his voice today. Secondly, what does it mean that he's my priest? What does it mean when I say he's a priest? It means I can talk to God. In the Old Testament, only the priest could approach God. And they could only approach God one time a year because they had been anointed to do so. Now, they had to offer sacrifice every day, morning and evening. But the most holy place, one time a year, the only reason they were allowed is because they were anointed to approach God. There was this special ceremony where they were prepared. They went through various rituals to become the person that could go in and represent the people and speak to God and hear God speak. But remember, Jesus is your high priest. He's your anointed one. And he approached God for you. Hebrews chapter 7. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to offer sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For he, this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. He did it once and for all. He did it once and for all. Catch this. 
There are no payments due on your account. Not by him, not by you. The account has been paid in full. No overdue notices coming to you. He paid it. Your account as a believer has been marked, paid in full. So that means you can go and you can talk to him. You have audience with him. There are no more requirements for you to be able to approach this good, good father. Here's how Hebrews spells it out. Let us therefore come, what's that word? Shout it out. Shout it out. To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you ever have a need, not only can you go to the throne of God, you can do it boldly, everybody, because Jesus is our high priest. The anointed high priest has cleared the way, and you, ladies and gentlemen, can talk up to God about anything, anytime, anywhere. I don't think you got that. Can I say it again? You can approach God about anything, anytime, anywhere. What does that look like, Pastor? And how about talking to him about your marriage relationship that seems to be in such a rut and struggling lately? What about that addictive behavior that plagues you at every turn? What about your son or daughter that has broken your heart and you so desperately want to see them turn their life toward a savior? What about your broken heart at the loss of a loved one? I want to tell you, you can talk to God about anything, anytime, anywhere. The account has been paid. Enter boldly before his throne. Ladies in the, he's in the, comes into her pastor's office, college girl, sits down. She's just crying. I don't have a desire. I'm just so concerned. I don't have a desire to read the Bible. The pastor says, you should talk to the Lord about that. Oh, I wouldn't want to tell him that. Uh, he might already know, you know. He knows your thoughts. We all go through that. You should just tell the Lord about it. I found myself a few years ago, after 30 plus years in ministry, telling the Lord one day in prayer, God, I've been doing this a long time. And there's just a few days lately, I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And I felt almost as it were, it wasn't audible, but this impression come back to the Lord saying, I know that. I got you. You know, you don't catch God off guard by what you bring to him. You don't surprise him. Listen, nothing you're going to talk to him about is going to get a response like, really? You have got to be kidding me. I didn't know that. Why don't you talk to him? Talk to him as the anointed priest in your life, as the anointed prophet in your life. Number three, what does it mean that he's my king? It means this. I can walk with God because he is my king. We all want to walk with God, but we have these things that seem to sometimes impede our progress, feel somewhat helpless sometimes. But listen, you can overcome anything because you got a king that's on your side. He is not just any king. 
He is the king of kings. Revelation 17. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him, that's me, I'm with him. Are you anybody else in this room with him today? I want to tell you, those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Even when I fall once in a while, I'm still chosen and faithful because he has paid my account in full. Now, before I go any further, I want to say something that is theological and and very important. Satan is not Jesus' counterpart, a counterpart. Many people have this picture of the father. He's up in heaven and Jesus and Satan are down doing battle, fighting each other. Let me tell you something this morning, in case you don't know this. Jesus is not battling Satan anymore. We are, he's not. He's already won. Satan has been defeated by Jesus. Jesus went into the depths of the grave and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave out of his grimy, slimy hands. And Satan has been defeated once and for all. Jesus is the creator. Satan is the created. When he rebelled, the scripture tells us that Jesus, oh, I love this, made a public spectacle of him, that he disarmed Satan and he destroyed the works of the devil. If Satan had a counterpart, it would be Michael and Gabriel because they were angels such as Lucifer was. They were created as angels. Never, ever Put Satan on the same level with Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings. Satan is the prince of darkness. He's not a king. And even if he was a king, he's not the king of kings. We serve a savior who is Lord of lords and king of kings. And he has defeated Satan. And as we walk with this king who is the anointed one, we can be called chosen and faithful because we belong to him. Now, let me close with this illustration from the Old Testament. And I'm I'm landing the plane a little later today than I promised, but we'll get it landed. In the Old Testament, there's a king named David. One day, David looks around and he says, is there anybody left from the house of Saul, his predecessor, that I can show kindness to? Because I made an oath with Jonathan, his son, and I need to keep my oath. Find me somebody. And they said, there's one left. His name is Mephibosheth. Maybe you've studied about Mephibosheth. Maybe you haven't. But Phoebe, as I'll call him, was marked by one thing. He was a cripple. Wasn't born that way. But when Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan, his father, died on the same day in the field of battle, his babysitter, his nurse, was trying to protect him and save him because she assumed that the enemies, her enemies would be coming to take his life as a possible ascendant to the throne. And in her rush to get him away, she dropped him and his bones were broken in his legs. He never regained 
the use of them. And so now it's years later. And remember this, consider this. Every time somebody asks, what happened to your legs? It was an accident because David, the new king, was wanting to kill me. And my nurse was trying to get me out of there in a big hurry. And he actually lived with the thought that David hated him and wanted him dead. So many years later, he's hiding in a town called Lodabar. The very name of that city means dry and barren wilderness. Believed his whole life, the king hates me. The king would kill me if I showed up in his presence. There's no hope for somebody. This is my fate. This is my life. So be it. See the similarities with a lot of people in life today. How many people stay away from God because they think God hates them? I grew up in a very legalistic background, and I actually had a picture of God. A lot of times, even when I'd go to church, they'd, they'd preach in such a manner that I could almost smell the flames of hell. In fact, I heard a message one time, scared me to death, called your first night in hell. Couldn't sleep for two weeks after that. Just So my picture of God was he was just dangling me over the fire with a little spider's web, just looking for a reason. Go ahead, do something, do something. So he could just drop me off into the flames. That's just, just what I saw God is. And so people are thinking that way. I've done nothing to gain anything good from a king. I've done regrettable things with my life. I've not been the ideal citizen. Long story short, David, ask I need somebody that I can show kindness to. And they bring in Phoebe. Brought before David. Surprisingly, David restores all the land of his father and grandfather. And he sits at the king's table on a nightly basis. He pulls his crippled feet up under the table. Just like all the rest of the king's kids. But notice, notice Phoebe's response to this kindness. 2 Samuel 9, then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Bible doesn't record David's response, but if he had of it, it would have been probably something like this. What did you do? Nothing. You haven't done anything to deserve this. I made a covenant with your father. And because of that covenant, you're sitting here at my table. And I'll even go further. When your legs are up under the king's table, nobody even sees that you're a cripple. You're just one of the king's kids. You see, God didn't make a covenant specifically with you when Jesus was on the cross. If he had, you'd have probably not been able to hold up your end of the bargain. We would have failed. But God made a covenant with the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And when we believe it and we receive that, the articles of that covenant, we get to pull our crippled, sin-destroyed lives up under the king's table. And now when God looks at us, he doesn't see the frailties, the humanity, the imperfections. He sees through the blood of Christ. And what he sees is a perfected person made whole through Jesus Christ. That because of the covenant of this anointed one. And when you receive Christ, 
When you receive the covenant, you get a prophet that you can hear a priest that you can talk to and a king that you can walk with on a daily basis. My friends, it doesn't get any better than that. You think the iPhone changed the world? Your gift today is that this one that comes as the anointed one will come into your heart and your life and transform you and you will be forever changed by his power. Come on and applaud him today in this room. And I don't know a lot of you in this room today. I really don't. So I don't know where you're coming from, your place in life. But I want to pray for you today. From my heart, this, I hope, an authentic heart that's honest and real and wants to tell you about something that can change your life. So if you don't mind right now, would you bow your heads all over this room? Let me just pray for you. Lord, you know the name of every person in this room. You know the number of hairs on their head, Scripture tells us. And you care. And because of your sacrifice coming to this earth, Lord, you're able to be heard, to be talked to, and to be walked with. And I don't know the need of every person in this room today, but you do. You knew before they ever took a seat in this building today what things they're walking through, what challenges they have in their life right now. And most of all, God, you know about their decision as far as putting you first in their lives. And so we invite you today as people of God, Come close to us. Be a prophet, priest, and king to us this morning. Touch somebody's heart that may be far from you today, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name today. In Jesus' name.
Tell us.